gentlemen, let's close up for Christmas. Ooh. There's magic in the air this evening, magic in the air. The world is at her best, you know, when people love and care. The promise of excitement is one the night will keep. After all, there's only one more sleep till Christmas. Hey everyone, it's Jonathan and Merry Christmas. Welcome to the final episode of the year. Today we're closing out the season with what is undeniably the best Christmas movie ever. No arguments allowed. The Muppet Christmas Carol is my favorite version of the story. Hands down, no contest. There are others that are amazing, more faithful to the book, ones I really love, but I don't care. Just give me Gonzo as Charles Dickens and I'm happy. Joining me for this episode are my friends Nikki and Katie. We've had so much fun doing a bunch of episodes together this year, so I thought it was fitting that we close out the year doing one last episode together on one of the best movies ever. After all, there's only one more sleep till Christmas Day. So I'm assuming that you guys have seen this before mm-hmm. watching oh, today. Yeah. I guess we can talk first about the first time you remember seeing it, if you remember, because I don't remember the first time I've seen it. I just pretty much have always known about this movie. I think we probably borrowed it from the library when I was a kid. It's probably one of the earliest Christmas carols that I saw. I'm sure it is, because I I don't really remember watching too many others as a kid, just this one. So it's always been Muppet's Christmas Carol is my favorite Christmas carol of all Christmas carols. I would agree. It's it's right up there. Um I saw it probably when I was slightly older. It's one of those things where I I got I was into the Muppets, but like the notion of them in a a different setting than what like the 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 um the Muppet show or you know like Sesame Street or whatever was weird to me. I don't know why. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Would yeah. But I ever, first time I saw it I was hooked and the the scenes that made me tear up as a kid, still make me tear up now, so. What about you, Katie? So, this is um, my confession. I've actually, I saw this movie last year for the first time. (laughs) (laughs) That's okay. And the reason why is because, um, for whatever reason, I just never really watched Muppet movies growing up. They just weren't available to me. And then, um, but I had, I loved watching the trailers, so like I don't remember. I would watch on my VHS. There was a Christmas Carol trailer, and I would just watch that. <laughs> but it is very dear to me. I love it so much. Yeah, this is literally one of the best Christmas carols. Oh yeah, yeah. It's one of those things where people always say, "Oh, it's not good if it's not accurate to the book," and for this one. I don't care the liberties that they took because the liberties they took still feel in the spirit of the book and they just do it in such a great way that it totally makes sense for this story. Absolutely. Like, uh, I, I absolutely, and I know we'll get to it, but um, when Marley comes back to heckle mm-hmm. or to, to go after <laughs> Scrooge, that like, you know, he talks about how it was a bit of digested food and he's like, you know, <laughs> what are you, what are you saying? Of course we're here. What, what else would we be? But the one thing I will say with this version, I think that like to have to do it in any other way to, you know, to try and be super close to the book because of the style of the Muppets, I don't think that it would have worked. Like it wouldn't be the movie it is if it wasn't in the spirit of the Muppets. Mm-hmm. No, yeah. It works because of the Muppets. And because the Muppets can do serious in a silly way or silly in a serious way, if that makes sense, they they always feel like they're respecting their source material mm-hmm. and respecting the audience, too. They're not just being silly and random for silly and random's sake. Well, and even um, at the part like when they talk to death and Rizzo says, man, are the kids going to be okay with this? And Gonzo goes, it's culture. I mean, it, that is really <laughs> the route that they took with this, though, you know? Yes, I that, I love that line. Well, we can just get right into the movie. It starts with a shot over these houses. And I love all the sets in this movie. There, You can tell that it's not like on-set location, actual London it's like sets, but there's like miniatures, and it just looks so quaint and cool, and I love it. Absolutely. 
and then going through the town too i love all the muppets and humans coexisting i love shots like that the way they oh, make it so feel good. so real <laughs> the turkey like jumping out of the thing and the the, the fish boomerang guy i oh my god yeah they, they did a great job of integrating the two it just it worked beautifully and there was mm-hmm. no like well why are you a muppet or whatever it just it was even between scrooge and when he came across different muppets there wasn't any it was just interactions mm-hmm. that's one thing that i really like about muppet movies in general nobody cares that they're puppets or animals or vegetables or whatever <laughs> and most of the time it's not even noticed like they do t- mention vegetables like talking vegetables sometimes but for the most part like nobody cares that kermit is a frog and miss piggy is a pig they're just people and they're treated as such and i love that one other interesting piece of trivia so at the beginning it's dedicated to jim henson and richard hunt mm-hmm. um jim henson died like this was the first big muppet movie after he'd passed mm-hmm. and then um richard hunt did uh waldorf and statler with mm-hmm. henson and uh he, I guess, died shortly around the time, too. So hmm. So, getting into the story, you have Gonzo playing Charles Dickens, along with Rizzo as his sidekick. And I love these two together. In recent years, they've kind of replaced Rizzo with Pepe the King Prawn, which I like Pepe, too. But there's something about Gonzo and Rizzo that I just love them together. I wish they would do more. Absolutely. And they really like, I know that it's kind of the point of it, but the fact that Rizzo is kind of us kind of going through and asking all these questions, mm. you know, keeping jelly beans like what we thought was, you know, <laughs> thought we, you know, in a side next to us, but they're actually in our pockets. I mean, <laughs> eating wax fruit. I mean, that's me to a T. And I love that Gonzo is using a lot of dialogue from the book or very close to from the book. Like he starts out with the Marleys were dead to begin with, which is almost the book. Cause it's just like Marley was dead to begin with, but there's two in this movie. Mm-hmm. So they're like almost quoting straight from the book. And I really like that. You yes. don't get that with a lot of even the most straight adaptations. They'll still, they, they won't use like the narration or anything. And I love that Gonzo is a character as Charles Dickens, and he's talking with dialogue from the book. Yes. And then we get Michael Caine as Scrooge, and he is amazing. Oh, yeah. He's he's one of the main reasons that this movie works so well. It does. And the fact that he plays it 100% straight, there's mm-hmm. actually a bit of trivia about that, that um, when he told, he told Brian Hansen that he was going to play, or sorry, Brian Henson, mm-hmm. that he was going to play the movie like he was still with the Royal Shakespeare Company. Mm-hmm. Like he's not going to mention Muppetry. He's going to play Scrooge as if it was a totally dramatic role with no puppets around him. Mm-hmm. And it's so much better for that. Oh, yeah. And of course, this movie is a musical. So the first song here is the song for Scrooge. And I love the lyrics in like all these songs. The what's his name? Paul Williams, I believe. He's such a great lyricist he he wrote like all the songs from the muppet show the older muppet movies he, i think he's even the person like behind the iconic ones like rainbow connection oh, and maybe even being green he just has a way with words and every song is just perfect i love all of his lyrics oh yeah so scrooge goes to work and of course you have kermit as bob cratchit but you also have another addition in here. He has he has an army of rats as bookkeepers. <laughs> <laughs> and they're quite entertaining as background characters. Oh, they oh, yeah. totally are. I feel like if you watched a lot of the background stuff in that scene, you would just see all kinds of crazy stuff going on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it was kind of hard when I was trying to take notes because I just kept wanting to watch. <laughs> There's so much to notice in this movie. You have a character here who's not named, but I'm not sure if he's based on a character from the book. It's been so long since I've read the book, but there's a guy who can't pay Scrooge. His daughter is sick. And I love that Scrooge just picks him up and heaves him out the door (laughs) like he's a puppet because he is a puppet. (laughs) 
the entire time he's just like, please don't shout at me, sir. And then he throws him out and he's like, thank you for not shouting at me. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> and then he tells, I, I keep want, I keep wanting, wanting to say Kermit, and, but Bob Cratchit, he tells him to prepare the eviction notices for tomorrow. And he's like, but tomorrow's Christmas. Very well. You may gift wrap them. <laughs> The little asides are great. They're so they're so funny. Uh-huh. And they're played so straight. Mm-hmm. And then you have Fred, his nephew. And I I'm not sure I recognize him, Stephen McIntosh. He's great in the role, but he's not somebody that I'm very familiar with. He's in a lot of British stuff, I believe. I really like Fred. He mo- mostly never has a huge role to play, but I really like this version of him. He's very cheerful. He's very cheeky, too. Yes. (laughs) You also have the scene with the charity men coming in, but they're played by Bunsen and Beaker in this one. (laughs) Classic. And of course, Scrooge chases them off and tries to chase off Fred, but he leaves of his own accord, still inviting him to dinner. I did like, uh, and it's 100% random, and I apologize because I know you weren't the biggest fan of this one. But I like the fact that they were playing, and I suppose it's probably the game that they were actually playing in the book, but I love the fact that they were playing um, a variation on um, uh, Shrades in Scrooged, and then they were playing like 20 questions essentially in this one. Mm-hmm. To kind of get with, the same basic game. We I talked about that with my friend Mark in a, an episode that will have aired previous to this one. Um, it's It's like every different version has their own different version of a similar type of game, like a guessing game. And it's always something slightly different, but it's always interesting to see what kind of a game Fred's party will play. <laughs> so are you saying it's like every version ever? <laughs> yes. Nice. <laughs> and you get a scene in here after Fred leaves with, a lot of times there'll be a scene with like carolers, but in this one it is Bean Bunny singing Good King Wenceslas. <laughs> and I thought it was proper that Bean Bunny gets beaned by a wreath. Because <laughs> Scrooge chucks the wreath that Fred left out at him. That's so funny. And Bob asks for the day off. Scrooge reluctantly agrees with some book-accurate dialogue about picking a man's pocket at Christmas. And then you get the song One More Sleep Till Christmas, which is iconic. <laughs> I especially love this shot as he's going home like he's looking up at the moon singing. I love that scene. And it's really funny, though, because um, I have I just find full body Muppets hilarious. (laughs) So like it's like it's a very touching, cool scene. But also I'm laughing because it's just full body. (laughs) (laughs) They just make me laugh. You don't get too many full-bodied Muppet shots. Yeah, they just always make me laugh so hard. <laughs> you have to, like, hold it in. <laughs> well, they are basically doing, like, like uh, like high kicks every time they move their legs. It's kind of like... <laughs> <laughs> you also have the Penguins Christmas skating party here, too. Yeah. Which I guess those are full-body Muppets, too, but just not the same kind of full-body Muppets. <laughs> Nice. And Scrooge goes home, and you have Jacob Marley appearing in the door knocker, which I really liked that effect. This is, I, this might be one of the first ones, like if I'm thinking chronologically, to like actually have the door knocker convincingly morph into the character's face. Because a lot of times they'll have used like a fading effect, like the they fade in footage over the door knocker. Mm-hmm. Two varying degrees of success. Some are not that great. Some are really great. But this one, you have the door knocker actually morph into his face. And I thought they did really well with that effect. And I love that Scrooge goes inside to search around after getting scared by the door knocker and he beats up his coat rack <laughs> <laughs> with his best dressing gown on it. <laughs> I mean, that is canon to uh, a Christmas carol, isn't it? Kidding. It might Sorry. Be. I don't know. That I don't jokes. know if I've seen that before. <laughs> I just imagine like 
you know, something to the extent of then he took his cane and he beat the ever loving crap out of, you know, his <laughs> simple yet functional uh, coat hanger or coat rack because he was a functional man and he, you know, he, you know, stole it <laughs> off of like a baby or something like that because he was so frugal. <laughs> Probably not this one, because that was a very large dressing gown. It was way too fancy for a baby. I suppose. A young person then. Someone, like, you know how kid, you know how kids, like, shoot up in height real quick, but they're still relatively little? That's 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 who it was. <laughs> or he got it at an estate sale. True. Very possibly. <laughs> it was still warm, too. <laughs> and this one, his supper is bread and cheese. The cheese didn't look that great to me. It was like blue cheese or something. <laughs> <laughs> and then the Marleys appear because in this one, because it's Statler and Waldorf, you can't have just Jacob Marley. He had to have a brother. So it's Jacob and Robert Marley. And I think if this were any other version and they threw in an extra Marley, I would have been like, what the heck? Why would you do that? <laughs> but it's so perfect for Statler and Waldorf. <laughs> Although that does beg the question, did they die at the same time? And if so, how? <laughs> they were eaten to death by all of those um, like money boxes with, with mouths. <laughs> I, I really liked all the puppetry of the stuff around them, like all the chains and those money boxes. I really liked that. And then having them wrap around Scrooge as well. That was really well done. It was incredibly well done. There is actually a piece of trivia on it. I just have to find it here. Oh, uh, Jacob and, and Robert Marley surrounded by whaling cash boxes. It's a nod to Bob Marley and the whalers. <laughs> <laughs> that is very random. It's incredibly random. <laughs> And you, you, this is where you get the back and forth and you have the line more of gravy than of grave about you. <laughs> and normally that's played like super serious, but it is a really ridiculous pun. And I love that they called that out and have the, the, the hecklers heckle the pun. <laughs> <laughs> and then you get the song Marley and Marley, which I love that too. That song is so good. Like all these songs, they're just like super catchy. They're very good. Oh, man. And then this is where you have Rizzo talking about how scary it is and wondering if you should be worried about the kids in the audience. And Kanza says, nah, it's all right. This is culture. <laughs> <laughs> A very good point, though. And then you've got this whole scene with them trying to get into the house or at least look in because they're they're kind of stuck outside. So they have to climb over this fence, and they realize after Rizzo has climbed up and jumped over it that he actually could have gone through the bars. <laughs> <laughs> and I loved how disgusted Gonzo was with him and how clueless he was. Like, he didn't even realize what was going on. Well, the things you can do when you're not thinking about it, right? <laughs> yes. I love that scene where um, Rizzo's just like, Oh, I found my jelly beans. They were in the po my pocket. And Gonzo just <laughs> stares at him. And then he just gives him a little kiss on the nose. <laughs> I love that too. <laughs> Do you think any of that kind of stuff was improvised? I, it would have to be. That seems so, like, on the fly. Like, who mm -hmm. would script Gon Gonzo getting a little kiss on the nose from Rizzo? <laughs> it just seems like something the puppeteers would be doing while they're playing around with the puppets. Yeah. I know that that does happen a lot with them because it's not the same as like animation because you have people there with these characters that can do whatever they want. So you, I've seen like reels of Muppet outtakes where it's just them playing around. So I'm wondering if that's just one of the outtakes that they decided was too good to get rid of. Well, there was that whole bunch from, is it the, the, the river bottom boys? Like it was a um like beavers and muskrats and stuff, and there was a drum that kind of comes out of a, oh. a stork. <laughs> I meant otters just... jug band Christmas. Yes, thank you. With, with Mama Otter, and they're like watching the drum roll out over and over and over yep. and over and over. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was great too. And then this is kind of random, but I love the scene when 
the Marleys are leaving and Gonzo and Rizzo have gotten up to the window and they yell, expect the first ghost when the bell tolls one. <laughs> and then there's this blinding light that just blasts out of the window. I thought that looked so cool. <laughs> and I also love that the ghosts of Christmas past, present and future aren't Muppets that we know. They're characters made for the movie. Mm-hmm. I think that makes them so much more interesting, especially this first one, which I believe was filmed underwater to give her like an ethereal look. Yep, it absolutely was. I remember watching this when I was much, much younger and it genuinely, not not in a like scary way, but just in a creepy, like it, it doesn't move the way you expect it to move and mm-hmm. you never get really close up on it. Yeah. So there's that sense of like your brain plays tricks as to what it is that you're seeing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she doesn't look entirely human. Like I remember being confused as to whether it was an actual person when I was a kid. It's like, is that real? Mm-hmm. And I couldn't tell. And I didn't know how they f- even would have shot her because the way she's moving, like on un- underwater, it's just so cool. Absolutely. And even like her hand. Like, it looks like a very, like, in not like a toddler, but like a, a chubby, like, infant hand. And it yeah. looks real. Like, it doesn't look like a doll or whatever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I believe, I don't know exactly how old she was, but I know it was a child that voiced this character. And that works really well. It does. It does. And it's just the way all the dialogue is, is given is so, mm-hmm. it just, it's so well done. Yeah. It's not Peanuts uh, Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> I love the variety you get with the first ghost because the first ghost, for the most part, in all the different versions you see, you kind of know what you're going to get with the Ghost of Christmas Present and Future. It's going to be someone who's probably sort of larger than life, if not a giant, and then someone who's sort of looking like Death or the Grim Reaper. But you always get something different with the first ghost. Because in the book, I believe the ghost is described as a candle. Oh. And for most of them, it's like, how do you represent a candle person? Like, they did it with the 2009 Jim Carrey CGI one, which was weird. (laughs) And even though it was book accurate, I'm not sure I loved that version. But I like how they kind of interpreted that through this character by having her just emitting this blinding light all the time. You would definitely want to wear your sunglasses. Yes. And I like that when she takes him out and they fly through the air, Gonzo grappling hooks them so that they can get wet. (laughs) (laughs) And then in the past, he watches himself grow up, and you have his headmaster played by Sam the Eagle. And I loved I loved all of Sam Eagle's dialogue and I love his line specifically, you will love business. It is the American way. And then Gonzo whispers in his ear, it is the British way. You know, even the way they introduce that scene where you see like Muppet versions of all the, you know, classic, you know, people of, of note. And then you see Gonzo and Rizzo, like as it kind of pans over. I love that so much. Mm -hmm. And I also love when they fast forward to him as a young man, that he works with Fozzywig instead of, (laughs) which is such a perfect name change. (laughs) It's like it was, it was like the character was just built for Fozzie. (laughs) And it's a, isn't it a rubber chicken factory yes. that he owns? Yes. <laughs> he owns an old rubber chicken factory. And I love how he just says it with the most sincere straight line when he talks about the old rubber chicken factory. <laughs> <laughs> and I love that you, even though it's like set in the 1800s, you have cameos from modern Muppets like the Electric Mayhem and Swedish Chef. <laughs> and you, they they don't put too much effort into making them look like they fit into the 1800s they're just their characters and it works <laughs> and uh animal with the you know hitting the triangle and then <laughs> losing it and then just going hardcore yes making it a real party <laughs> then you have young scrooge upset at how much the party is costing but fozzy wig assuring him that 
it's Christmas, it's time to be generous, and then he shoes him off and he meets Belle. And you don't get too much of them as a couple. Like some movies, you get a few more scenes of them actually being in love. But this one, you go from them meeting to their breakup. (laughs) And this is where you get the main cut of this movie, because this movie is not whole, at least for now, because they cut out a huge chunk of the movie with the song When Love Is Gone, which is so, to me, it's so important to their relationship because you don't get too much of them being a couple, but this song like tells you about their life together and how it's done, like they have to move on from each other. And also the cut from them breaking up to her, to her walking away, you have Rizzo off to the side crying. And it's like, that really doesn't make any sense not knowing them because they're assuming that the ghosts or not ghosts, but like Charles Dickens and Rizzo and Scrooge are following them and they are seeing what we are seeing. We didn't really watch them have a relationship. So the song is what makes Rizzo cry. And to have that cut, it just... It seems weird to have Rizzo off to the side crying with no context. Well, he's an emotional guy, you know. You you see love <laughs> go wrong, and then you're like, wow, that's that's really sad. <laughs> but I like that song, despite what people say about it being slow and boring. I think it's a good song. I can, like, understand, like, if they had to cut something, I'd probably say, yeah, that is the place to cut. But it's it really adds to the movie when it's there. Yeah, plus it, it's called back to in the mm-hmm. final song, When Love is Found. It like that like ties the movie together for me. And maybe it's just because I grew up with the version that had it in it. Because like like I said, I borrowed it from the library and that was a VHS and it was just the VHS copies that had this on it. Because it wasn't in the theatrical cut as far as I know. And it's not on most DVDs or Blu-rays, I don't think. Like, I have a Blu-ray. It does not have it on it, but I think it's an extra on the DVD. So most people, if they're watching just a regular version, they're not going to see this scene. Mm -hmm. So I guess a lot of people don't even know that it's missing. But since I watched it on VHS as a kid, (laughs) that's that's the one I grew up with. So it just seems wrong to cut it. Yeah. Well, and it says here it was, um, the scene was restored on VHS, Laserdisc, and the first DVD. Although TV airings, blue array releases, or the Netflix or Disney Plus version, it's not on there. So mm-hmm. you just got to find yourself a Laserdisc or a VHS version. Or the very first DVD. Right. Uh, full screen DVD <laughs> yes. version, not the widescreen. Yes, full screen. Because the, the extra that I have on my Blu-ray is a full screen cut. It's not the widescreen. That's weird that they wouldn't put it on the Disney Plus version. Well, from what I heard, it was... It was never able to be restored because all they had was the full screen standard definition version. Mm. And that would look weird cut back into the HD widescreen. But apparently, I think I read, I was thinking it was earlier this year, but apparently it was like the end of 2020. Mm -hmm. Somebody found the original negatives. So they were able to cut it back together. And it is now going to be released whole to Disney+. Plus. Oh, nice. So as soon as that's out, I will have to watch it in full. It'll be the first time I watched it in full and not had to stop the movie, go find the extra scene, watch it, and then go back to the movie. (laughs) (laughs) You're just watching it with friends and you're like, hang on. And you pause the movie and you're like, we have to pop to YouTube for a second. (laughs) No, I haven't done that. I've just let it go. Because I'm usually, like the most of the time, if I'm not watching it alone, it's like with my family because that's one of the movies that everybody wants to watch like not every year but like most years we watch it at least once while everybody's here so i just let it go <laughs> and then you have one of the classic transitions because like in most versions you have scrooge somehow transitioning from doing something in wherever he is and then it turns into him in his room so you have him sitting down on a bridge and then it's his bed And then it's two o'clock and you get the giant Muppet of Christmas present. And I like this guy. He's fun. And I like that they have him age throughout the scenes because you don't always get that with every version. A lot of times it's just the same. He looks the same throughout the whole time. But I like that they have this version age. 
They didn't have him hiding two gaunt children under his robes named Ignorance and Want, like would be book accurate, but that would probably feel weird for this giant puppet character. Yeah. (laughs) I will also say I really enjoyed how um, he was kind of um, forgetful and he talked Mm -hmm. about how his mind was always in the present. So Mm -hmm. he, I'm trying to, he doesn't have the presence of mind because he's always in the present. (laughs) Or something like that. Something like that, yeah. Yeah. And then he gets a song here, It Feels Like Christmas, which is another iconic, memorable Christmas song. I feel like most of the songs in this movie could be Christmas songs, like just put them in a regular Christmas playlist. Probably not Mm -hmm. When Love Is Gone. That might be a bit of a downer at the Christmas party. (laughs) But But It Feels Like Christmas would be a perfect Christmas party song. And then this is where they go to Fred's and you watch them play yes and no. You have Scrooge getting into the game like he does in some versions. The 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 one I mo- watched most recently with Mark, he was like really into the game. Like he was yelling at the characters and running around. And we were talking about like, it's amazing that these actors are all able to keep a straight face and pretend that they don't see this crazy guy running around them. <laughs> <laughs> and then of course you have the final answer being... Scrooge, and in this case, the question was it's an unwanted creature, but not a rat, a leech, or a cockroach. And of course, Scrooge is upset by this. So they go off to Bob's, and you have Emily Cratchit, played by Miss Piggy, (laughs) (laughs) and their children, who are two frogs and two pigs, Peter, and of course, Tiny Tim, and then Belinda, and Bettina. Bettina, yes. And they're hilarious. I love how they're like <laughs> mini knees to Miss Piggy, mimicking what she does. <laughs> and I loved her line when they're talking about their cooking. And one of them says, it smells so good, mother. It does, doesn't it? <laughs> they really balanced, because um, Miss Piggy can be so very over the top. Yes. It balanced that so well, too. Like, you got yes. the attitude that she has so much of, mm-hmm. but it's balanced so much within that. Like, when she does the little cratchy or crack. Yes. Crack, oh, my God. That was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love the scene where she's, like, off to the side eating chestnuts, and she gets called out by her kids. And she's like, I wasn't eating them. I was just checking to see if they were burnt. It's a shack <laughs> thing, dear. <laughs> And she can't keep her kids straight. <laughs> oh, he's calling them by the wrong name. I mean, as long as she doesn't call Tiny Tim Bettina, I think we're probably okay. <laughs> and I love the scene where after Bob and Tiny Tim come home, they have the whole founder of the feast scene. And I loved how they incorporated that dialogue with Miss Piggy and her kids because she's like the founder of the feast indeed. <laughs> if he were here i'd give him a piece of my mind to feast upon <laughs> the kids accenting every line as she goes through that that specific piece of dialogue is <laughs> so great and then of course another iconic song where the family sings bless us all which would be another great christmas song and by the end of this scene ghost is getting very old and they go to the graveyard where he says he'll be gone at the stroke of 12 and he will leave him with the ghost of christmas yet to come and i loved after he's gone the clouds pouring in and overtaking scrooge that was so great Mm -hmm. and i loved how huge and imposing this ghost is he's like he's probably done in the same way that big bird is done but just menacing instead of adorable (laughs) (laughs) he was he was again and i don't mean to bring up scrooge but he kind of gave me like that like the big oversized um kind of grim reaper thing that was going on Mm -hmm. with scrooge yeah only he didn't have like 15 tvs for a face (laughs) (laughs) and i love also with this one you don't always get scrooge being repentant by the time he gets to the final ghost 
and I'm not sure exactly how book accurate that is. It's I need I really need to get myself a copy so I can refer to it as I'm going through these. But I liked that this Scrooge, by the time he is going off to the future, he's already seen the error of his ways because he tells the ghost that he's prepared to learn with a thankful heart. And you also have Rizzo and Gonzo leaving at this point because they say it's too scary. They'll see us at the finale. <laughs> but I, I like that they did that because you kind of need this to be serious. Even though there is some silly moments, they, you kind of need this whole scene to be more serious than you would get with Rizzo and his jelly bean hijinks. <laughs> <laughs> and I really like the swirling portal that they enter. And you get the group of in this case, it's pigs discussing <laughs> someone's death. And I loved their dialogue <laughs> and the fact that they incorporated pig grunts into the dialogue. <laughs> and you also get the scene with people bartering for his wares, all the stuff he left behind. And you have Mrs. Dilber in this scene, and she's a moth, but I don't think that this is like nor Mrs. Dilber is his maid, and I don't think that this is his maid. I think she's just named Mrs. Dilber because there wasn't really any indication that Scrooge had a maid in this version. He was too cheap for that. <laughs> yeah, for he had to turn on all the lights to search the house. Yes. Well, even though he was very cheap in this version, he is not the cheapest Scrooge. The, the one I watched most recently, his house was an absolute filthy pigsty. It was just horrible. Like, there was no way that there was no Mrs. Dilbert at all in that version. Not even a cameo like here. <laughs> he And then the bowl that he ate his food out of, out of, I was like, has he ever washed that thing? How is he not dying of food poisoning? <laughs> <laughs> and at this point, Scrooge still hasn't figured out that it's him, but he's, I, I, he might have figured it out, but he's still acting like he doesn't know. He's talking about, I see that it's, this could be, what could happen to me if I don't sort things out. But I don't think he's fully set on this is him in the future. So they head off to the Cratchits, and of course, Tiny Tim is deceased at this point. Then they go back to the graveyard where it's revealed that he was the guy that was dead, and he sees his grave. But like I said, he's already repentant at this point. And I liked that he has him like crying into the robe of the spirit and then waking up in his bed. Some, sometimes at this point you'll have, and I, I, I hate to keep referring to the one that I just watched, but it's so much <laughs> different than this one that I feel like it's a good comparison. Like in that one, you had Scrooge still not that repentant at this point, and he literally goes to hell. <laughs> that was the uh, Mickey, Mickey one too there's one of those animated ones where yes like Scrooge. is that the mickey one N no that one you just have him falling down into his grave and there's like flames shooting up so it's kind of implied but then he wakes up immediately okay. and the one i just watched he goes to hell oh he's in hell for an extended period of time where he's being conscripted to be the devil's right hand man because he's so horrible and the, <laughs> and the devil is excited wow. that he's gonna be working for him <laughs> wow <laughs> Yeah, there was it was quite different. And I and I like that they have him already repentant at this point. We don't need to have him sent off to hell in order to see the error of his ways. <laughs> He's already got it. Like, yes, I have been bad. I need to change things. Well, and being that this is the Muppets, I mean and the Muppets aren't scared to go to some extent dark, but I think mm -hmm. that for this kind of a version, it would kill the goodwill that makes something the Muppets. Yes, mm -hmm. especially this specific version, because you don't you don't need the Muppets to go to hell. <laughs> no, <laughs> unless it's and and to try and do it in a Muppet esque way, we mm -hmm. have like little you know devils with pitchforks and stuff, you know, kind of running around. It would kind of lose it would lose what it what it was building to. Yeah, no, yeah. there's there's not really a way to do a fun Muppety hell and and have it be serious because this scene <laughs> needs to be played straight. Yeah, and they did it really well. So he's crying into the robe of the spirit, and then the the robes become his bed sheets or maybe his bed curtains. Either way, he's back in his own bed, and then you get a lightly crazy Scrooge. Like with different versions, you'll have Scrooge in various 
stages of mania and happiness <laughs> at, at, at being back in the real world. This one, he's not like bouncing off the walls insane. You just have really happy, slightly crazy Scrooge. And he calls out to Bean Bunny to go and get the prize turkey. And he goes out and makes amends with the charity men. And Beaker gives him his scarf, which is really cute. <laughs> and then he goes on a gifting tour, <laughs> just going around giving people things. And this is where you get the song Thankful Heart, which is another great song. I'm just going to keep saying every song is a great song. <laughs> <laughs> well, in this case, they it's it's that not that it was like the golden age of the Muppets, but there was something very special about this era of the Muppets. Mm-hmm. Like there wasn't any misfires, really. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I liked that as part of his gifting tour, he goes back to his office and leaves a bunch of coal for his bookkeepers. But in this <laughs> case, the coal is like a nice gift because they needed it. <laughs> it's not a dig at like, you've been bad. Yeah. <laughs> there was an interesting piece of trivia on that. Um, it was something like they were showing this to some to some families and the kid. Oh, here we go. In the commentary, the creators relate a funny story, but from the screenings, a few kids asked why the bookkeeper... What the bookkeepers did wrong to get coal at the end. (laughs) I mean, if you're a kid who has grown up with stories of Santa giving bad children coal, it's always going to be interpreted as a negative thing. (laughs) And continuing his gifting tour, for lack of a better term, you get a scene where he's going to Fred's. And you also get a scene with an elderly Fozzywig and headmaster. And I thought that was kind of great because you never see them again in most versions. Not that the headmaster is a main character. Like you don't usually have the headmasters any more than like a background person. But Mm -hmm. Fezziwig specifically, you never see Fezziwig again after the scenes in the past because it's kind of assumed that he's old at the time that Scrooge is young. So obviously he's passed on. But I like that they had a very elderly Fozziwig in this (laughs) (laughs) final scene and then he gets to the cratchits and has everyone that's been going along with him hide while he pretends to be furious at bob and i love that miss piggy is is like furious and yelling at him and then (laughs) he's interrupted with and therefore i'm about to raise your salary and i'm about to raise you right off the pavement (laughs) wait what I I love her attitude. She's so great. (laughs) And then all these people crowd into the Cratchit's house. I don't know how they all fit, but they do. (laughs) To have Christmas dinner. (laughs) Basically, yes. It's like, surprise, more mouths to feed. (laughs) Yes. Can you imagine poor Todd, like, over there with the spit trying to keep up? Like, with the gigantic goose on there? (laughs) Are you talking about Tiny Tim? No, wasn't it Todd that like at the before Tiny Tim and uh, Bob show up, like Miss Piggy says, "Hey, Todd, the older frog oh, son, Peter." I believe. Peter. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Where did you get Todd from? <laughs> Tiny Todd, <laughs> a new a new character. <laughs> it tested well with audiences. No, but when he's like sitting there trying to like rote like rotate the spit. With the tiny little goose on it, and then they get the big goose, and then they have to, like, he's sitting there trying to turn it while the house is full of people. And <laughs> my brain goes to weird places. I apologize. <laughs> that would, the, the turkey is like three times the size of him, so it would be extremely hard. And then, of course, you have the God blesses everyone scene with Tiny Tim, and they all sing The Love We Found, which again is the perfect callback to When Love Is Gone. It just perfectly bookends the film, not that the other one was the end or the beginning, but it perfectly ties all of it together. Mm-hmm. Very much. And then a reprise of Feels Like Christmas over the credits. And then, of course, the obligatory 90s pop song, <laughs> <laughs> When Love Is Gone, sung by Martina McBride. <laughs> like, every movie seemed to have to have that. Like, at least Disney movies. I would reprise mm-hmm. one of the main songs, but in 90s pop. <laughs> Even with like um, uh, the the more like the Jim Carrey Grinch, they did the Where Are You Christmas done by <laughs> yes. Faith Hill. 
Yes. <laughs> what year was that? It was early 2000s, wasn't it? Okay. So not, not quite 90s, but still in that era for they were still doing. I mean, to some extent, they do still do that. But it's that specific 90s sound, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what it is, but it's that 90s sound, and it's in all those songs. <laughs> well, yeah, that's Muppet Christmas Carol. The best Christmas Carol. Yes. I'm amazed by the variety of people. And regarded, you know, there are some movies that, are kind of universal and they're loved by everybody but just being in the movie community i'm amazed the people like the variety of people that really enjoy this one mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i don't think i've ever seen anyone say that they hate the muppets christmas carol yeah it's not derisive like a christmas story yeah there's a lot of christmas movies that are like love it or hate it and this one yeah. is not one of them it's pretty much universally loved i'm sure it probably does have some haters but they're not vocal Right. Like like vocal haters of other controversial Christmas movies are. I feel like if people don't like it, though, it's not that they don't like the movie. It's just like, oh, I'm not a fan of the Muppets or something true. like that. That is true. Because I have friends that, that I don't think they've even seen it, but they say they hate the Muppets. <laughs> One of them married my brother, so I need to oh like, force her to watch the Muppet things. <laughs> Although I think she did watch this one, and I think she did like it because she was... Like, this is after they got married when she was part of a family gathering where we watched this. So I think she did actually like it, despite being someone who said that they hate the Muppets. Wow. <laughs> I was going to say, if absolutely necessary, you know, you could always, like, tie them down uh, clockwork orange style, <laughs> pry their eyes open, and then make them watch it without being able to blink. <laughs> I'm not suggesting it. I'm just saying, if push come to shove, and you absolutely need to make your point that that might work. <laughs> but you didn't get the idea from me. Oh, but you're on tape saying it, so... Dag, it. Disavow. (laughs) I'm sorry, John's (laughs) sister-in-law. Well, any final thoughts before we close this episode and this season of podcasts? If you haven't, I I would say that if you haven't seen this one in a couple years, go back and watch it. Like, just re-watching it, I... There was so much stuff that I missed. And mm-hmm. I think that's a sign of a good rewatchable movie is when you can go back and, and it there are part those parts that hit you hit you the same way. And mm-hmm. then in that same vein, you see new things. Like even if it's just little background things, there's so much cute stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're watching this to take notes. I just kept having to I actually had to kept rewind a few times because I just started watching it instead of writing things down. <laughs> It's so good. Even like some of the early credit stuff, like Rizzo the Rat is, plays himself when you've got yeah. like Gonzo <laughs> playing uh, Charles Dickens and you've got all the um, human actors playing whoever they're playing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that they treat the Muppets like they're actual people. Oh, absolutely. And that's part of the, I have a friend who does puppeteering and he always says that there's that thing about um, when you're in that space, it's important to like acknowledge the puppet as its own person because mm-hmm. you're in that mindset to be that person or that puppet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Did you have any final thoughts, Katie? Um, this movie makes me cry. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> but it's very, but in a very good way. Good. Yeah. That part where Kermit's voice breaks though. Like, thanks Kermit. I was having a fun time. <laughs> <laughs> But no, it is very good. I love the Muppets. I love this story. Well, actually, I could say I love this story, but do I love this story? I don't like any other version I've seen. But that's just because I've only seen the Jim Carrey version, and I don't like Jim Carrey. (laughs) (laughs) There are other very good versions. We should probably watch some good ones. You know what, Katie? I could recommend um, some good references. There's this podcast called Every Version Ever. (laughs) (laughs) It's a good starting place. Yeah, I've heard of that. Yeah. (laughs) I'll have to check it out. I've never heard about it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry, that sounded mean. Um, Yeah, but... Despite being on several episodes. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, just because because you're on something doesn't necessarily mean you know what you're being on. You know, there are those people that randomly show up at things and like, I don't know what I'm on, but hey. I'll talk about whatever. <laughs> yeah. 
And not in a bad way, just like, uh, you know, you do so much, you're so busy. It's just like, what am I on? Oh, it doesn't matter. I know what I'm talking about. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks for joining me, even if you didn't know where you were. <laughs> <laughs> she knew she was where she needed to be. Yes. You guys want to let people know where you are if they would like more content from you? Katie? Yeah, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Katie Draws Things. I just finished up an announcement that I got to work on a comic book recently, so um, it's available to get now, so you can go and check it out. And that's what I've been up to. Okay, that's awesome. That's amazing. How cool. Congratulations. Thank you. It was really fun. I was like super excited to talk about it. I was just like, it's been like almost a year, and I was just like, I have to sit here and not tell anyone about it. Because... <laughs> <laughs> and what about you, Nikki? Uh, you can find me normally in the Midwest. Uh, no, I'm kidding. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can find me on uh, YouTube at Trivial Theater. It's spelled E R, not R E, because I'm not that fancy. But uh, do a wide range of random, obscure, and straight up bad movies. You can also uh, catch me on Twitter and Instagram at Trivial Theater. Okay. Well, thanks for joining me on the best episode of the year. <laughs> oh, yeah. I am sure we will have you back, both of you back next year for more things. Woohoo. Happy New Year. So, until then, Christmas. And Christmas. I Not knowing when this comes out, I just hedging my bet and saying New Year's. <laughs> It'll be Christmas. before both of those as long as I have time to edit it. <laughs> All right. Well, Merry Christmas. Unless this comes out after Christmas, then Happy New Year slash Boxing Day slash Kwanzaa slash whatever else. Cover all the bases. Yes. Happy day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if it goes really late, Happy Martin Luther King Jr. Day. <laughs> I hope it's not that late. <laughs> <laughs> and don't forget the most important festival of all of them, uh, Santa Claus and the Ice Cream Bunny Day. What day is that? I have no idea. <laughs> I'm just saying it. <laughs> okay, well, until then. Thanks for listening to the Every Version Ever podcast. If you like what you've heard, don't forget to subscribe on whatever platform you prefer. And of course, make sure to follow my co-hosts as well. Any relevant links will be in the description for easy access. And we'll see you soon to talk about another brand new version of A Christmas Carol. Thanks for listening and Merry Christmas. <laughs>